Jim Carrey is tired of being filmed. Carrie Bradshaw is on the air, and Tom Hanks grows up on this week's 30 Hello, everyone. Welcome to 302010, your internet portal into the week that was 30, 20, and 10 years ago. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? 13 year old stuck in somebody, Diana Goodman. <laughs> All right, call the cops. <laughs> <laughs> It's me, Sarah, the only person who identifies with John Hurd. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that sounds like it'll be a controversial movie this week. Hi, everybody. This is the show where we look 30, 20, and 10 years ago back in time. That is right. We are going uh, way back to 1988, 1998, and not so far back in 2008. We will talk about all the movies, music, TV, video games released in that period over the excuse me over the period of June first through the seventh. So buckle up, kids! There's a bunch of really each week of some really fun movies and a lot of semi crappy TV and a really poorly timed thing on our part. But we don't really get to decide when things get released, do we? No, unfortunately. We have to like go back in time from last week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> so a bit of a spoiler. I cannot believe. We didn't look ahead far enough to know that we'd be talking about the Sex and the City movie one week and one week later be talking about the premiere of the show. That they are a week uh-huh. apart by 10 years. Grr, I wish you would have looked ahead and not talked as much about Sex and the City. Uh, but I, No, I, well, I mentioned it. I think we were talking. It's like yeah. we got the, the premiere coming up. I know, but it, so it was like now days. Now I can say nice things about it <laughs> instead of my ranting. Okay, that's good. Because I believe we have a little bit of a rant on the, one of our early movies in 1988, <laughs> June 1st through the 7th, uh, which I did rewatch on Sarah's recommendation. Yes, if we were going, jumping into the movies of 1988, released June 1st through the 7th, let's talk. get this one out of the way, Chevy Chase's Funny Farm. Hey, there's our movers! Chevy Chase is leaving the city to live in the country. See you up there! Who the hell is that? How should I know? Surrounded by Earth's little living treasures. Mosquito. With room to roam for his loyal dog. Is it alive? A place where he can bond with nature. Oh! Ah! And hook up ah! with a few close friends. Oh, it's Funny Farm. I remember thinking, like, this is the dumbest movie title I've ever heard. The poster looks stupid. And, of course, I would end up buying it. Uh, in the beginning of the DVD era because this is the first ever $9.99 DVD I could find in a $29.99 world. <laughs> funny Farm. Oh, Funny Why? Farm. Why would you waste your money? <laughs> Just because it's cheaper crap doesn't make it not crap. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I thought like what everyone else is thinking. You hear a title like Funny Farm, what's it about? Sorry, I thought that was funny. Uh, but yes, it, it, it's exactly what you think it is. Chevy Chase moves to a farm. Uh, hijinks ensue. And the man is clearly kind of bored. Getting kind of bored with his own shtick. Yeah, it doesn't seem like there's much farming going on in this. No, it, it should be it should be a vacant vacation. Yeah, because it even starts right. with a little bit of like a Lindsey Buckingham music in that trailer. But it just yeah. yeah, people in the country move out. I I don't know why I remember so much about it, but this is a staple of like cable and mm-hmm. it, yeah, mm-hmm. nothing nothing remarkable about it though. I was gonna go back and revisit it just because I do have. A uh, little bit of a thing for Chevy Chase, young Chevy Chase, I have to admit. And I think it's because he's such an asshole. Yeah. Swag. And then he got they call old. They swag now. Yeah. And then he got old and apparently is that's his real life deal. And it's. Yeah. Yeah. Makes me sad. Cantankerous, semi-racist. It's a bummer. <laughs> yeah. Funny farm, everybody. Go see it because we're not going to. 
Uh, we also that week we have The Drifter with Miles O'Keefe, Kim Delaney, and Timothy Bottoms. How how much Keefe is in that movie? <laughs> drifted out of Miles. I don't pick up hitchhikers. Uh huh. And gave her what she was looking for. No words. If there aren't any words, it'll be like it never happened. No excuses. Hello. Hello. Uh, whoa. No guilt. <laughs> and no turning back. Okay, hold on. This is a grocery what? store book come to life, but I've never seen a trailer that showcases a woman on her knees unbuckling a belt. This is a heart I, song come I, to I, life. <laughs> <laughs> the Drifter. Miles O'Keefe in this movie. Oh, and plenty of bottoms, it looks like, too. <laughs> it, that whole opening was just them meeting and romancing. This is just the fucking trailer. Yikes. The Drifter. Is that, that can't be a popular lady fantasy from the 80s. No, I picked up. Oh, God. Oh, no. There's only no. one way that ends. <laughs> There's a dirty man on the road, and I pick him up. <laughs> what do you think's going to happen? Hmm. Yeah, At no, best, crabs. <laughs> National Park. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> Uh, well, someone had to give some competition because Crocodile Dundee 2 is still number one at the box office, kicking the shit out of Rambo and Willow with, the, with his ains tied behind his back. Um, <laughs> but there's a big new movie this week. And by big, I mean big. For Josh Baskin, life was a little unfair. Until he made a little wish. I wish I were big. Sweetheart, it's 7.30. Are you up? Josh! 20th Century Fox presents... Tom Hanks. Ah! Big. I turned into a grown-up, Mom. I made this wish on a machine, and it turned me into a grown-up. So now what? That scene is so fucking weird. Scary. Uh, that is terrifying. I I have a tremendous amount of affection for the movie Big. Penelope, uh, no, Penny Marshall's uh, yes. Big. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's one of those all-time classics. I think it's definitely... Would Diana, would this be considered one of Tom Hanks's breakthrough roles? I mean, he was oh, one hundred and ten percent. Yeah, he was one hundred and ten percent. He was just you know wacky guy and like, and he's so likable and like Splash or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this is like, it's not just oh, he's funny, but I mean, there's some seriousness and there's it's very heartfelt. And he got an Oscar nomination. This is his first Oscar nomination. Really, really? for being. Yep. Big. We used to reward comedy, and I'm going to talk about that in July. It's going to be very upsetting. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, written by Gary Ross and Ann Spielberg uh, huh. as well. But I rewatched yeah. this on Gary, Sarah. Gary Ross. I love Gary Ross. What do we know Gary Ross from? Uh, let's see. Did he also oh, wow. write Dave, I want to say? Uh, Pleasantville and The Hunger Games? What? Yeah, yeah, he's been doing The Hunger. He did a bunch of The Hunger Games movies, and he's got. He did I Dave. Th- I want to say he's doing Ocean's 8, too. He is. What? Yep. Yeah. That is I'm pretty excited about prolific. that. But big, I, I, it's, I thought it was one of those all-time classics. And then Sarah gave me a little text like, hmm, this movie. I don't know. I remember how you phrased it. I was like, like, I have things to say. <laughs> I've never watched it oh, boy. in the light you implied. And I watched it again with it and like, oh, man, this is going to fall into problematic territory, too. I'm sorry. I, I anticipated that there, there's uncomfortable stuff in here. I did not get to rewatch it, but... I'm glad that that you guys did. Yeah. So you can say like, oh yeah, this shit, this shit does not fly. Well, I really yeah. want to go back on my 
old <laughs> my old summation of it a very charming movie very subtle very, what should be a really over the top premise done fairly subtly by Tom Hanks playing mm. a child and I just forget for like for minutes at a time he was playing a nine year old because he's just playing it kind of like duh. he's 13 okay. it's a 13 year old is he 13 I thought yeah. he was 11 yeah. or 11 he's not 9 he's definitely in the double digits yeah and because the, they're already talking about uh, women in that well, opening at, <laughs> at the end she's like so how old are you really like 16 17 he's like mm, 12 there, or 13 or something and she's like ooh there are plenty of avenues that this movie seems to approach that seem unapproachable via a family comedy a chief among them that scene, every time I watch it, when like he makes it, you go, a kid's getting tired of kicked in the dick by life and his parents in school, it makes a wish on a Zoltar machine to be big, wakes up a grown man, Tom Hanks style, with apparently my hair. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, yes. Um, man, I miss. I wish I was born closer to the 80s. Oh, such a good decade for me. <laughs> oh, no, the late 70s, the Jufro era. Yeah. That's when kinky hair worked, oh, man. I could have wet it down, grown it out. But uh, but some deeply uncomfortable stuff. The, how uncomfortable the scene of him like coming home as a grown man to his mother, like, "Hey, mom, it's me." Yeah. And he's moving so fast because he's like a spastic kid in Tom Hanks' body, and it's fucking terrible. The camera comes up from the ground and starts getting like born conspiracy style, and it's it's shot to make you nervous. Yeah. As this well, mother's like terrifying, who the fuck is this old man in my house? Get out of here! Not to mom, mention, please, you're this guy who's yelling at her facts about her son, right? And that who is she thought was at school or whatever, or mm-hmm. yeah. And so yeah, that part is pretty unsettling if you consider it from the mother's point of view. So yeah, I, I think <laughs> it's not. It's never going to be the most woke movie. But here's the thing too: hmm. is that like. Uh, so I watched this movie recently, like mm-hmm. in the past couple of days, because I know I had seen it before, and I was like, well, I kind of want to revisit this, actually. I used to watch it twice a year, like just on my own, even though it played on cable constantly. Yeah, I think my parents kind of showed it to me when I was a younger kid, and I was like, cool, I get this movie. And then watching it again, I never would say that this is a bad movie or a mm-hmm. movie that people shouldn't see. Like, I get why it's a classic, 100%, and I don't disagree with that at all. But looking at it again... As an adult, there are some parts of it that I'm just like, I don't know, just kind of piss me off. Like one of them being that he like becomes big and then gets a career and his poor parents are probably like sick every night because their child has been kidnapped, but he keeps torturing them with like phone, phone calls, calls and letters. Like, Oh yeah, it's Tom Hanks. Your kid's fine. He's doing good. Yeah. Where is he? Yeah. He's good. He's good. That's one thing I wanted to ask as someone who's seen it very recently is this a movie that could not happen anymore now because technology yeah would cell phones ruin this premise i'm guessing computerized background checks would ruin this premise because it'd be so hard for me to get a job i think you'd start this movie out now with josh texting his parents for at least two days yeah i'm staying over at skippy's house even when he's applying for the job, they have him like put down his social security yeah. number and he puts down like five numbers and they're like, oh, you're missing a number. And he was like, uh, seven, two. And they're like, okay. And don't, so, and like, kids, don't consider that far-fetched. We used to walk into a country club we didn't go to and order a bunch of food and like, what's the account number? Four, eleven, six. <laughs> Niner. And we would never get caught. We would order tons of food on just four random numbers all the time. Yeah. I mean, that part... The whole part of him getting a career is why. That's why I introduced. Oh, I didn't myself. know what that. Was. I assumed it was the uh, the, the whole femininity angle. 
Oh, because the movie like oh, starts that has some other things. That, that the I would movie like to just say, starts but... out there. It's it's boys being boys, and like I'm sure I did talk like this with kids before I was actually sexually active. Oh, that but part, yeah, that doesn't like, bother. Yeah, go by the teacher, look down her shirt. If you catch her at the right angle, you can see all the way down to her flowers, and like. Ew. Yeah. I don't know. I just assume <laughs> that's how flowers? little boys talk. I just, I've never I'm like, heard okay. down to her flowers. <laughs> yeah, but, I don't even know what that means. Elizabeth Perkins is yeah. like, I don't know, kind of like. Well, she has, she's playing this TV movie trope of like the career woman who's yes. so serious. Mm-hmm. And treated and like she shit needs... by, by everyone except yes. Tom Hanks. And so she needs like a manic pixie dream 13 year old boy in a grown man's body to like ah. show her how to live her life. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't I know. I never thought of it that way, but that <laughs> were see, I was going to defend her a bit in that oh, she has no reason her. to think she is sexually molesting a 13 year old no agree no reason he he acts weird eccentric Mm -hmm. but not like unable to consent as an adult right um and i think like the the part that i remember of the actual sex scene is is very very sympathetic it's very like this is you know he someone getting their first experience touching a boob and not really like should i touch do i i guess but it's played seriously yeah, but it's also um, played very uncomfortably. It just because yeah, he's, he's uncomfortable. What he's he, doing? He, he yeah. approaches. He literally approaches her body like a baby. Right. And I just don't know how. I think it's a bit of a leap to think that this career woman who's like who John heard slut shames later on. Well, um, he implies that he implies she'll sleep with anybody yeah, who's close to the boss. Who is just and the boss treats her like shit too. Yeah. Is this boss Laser Time All Star Robert Loja? Yeah. <laughs> Ready. Ready. Perfect. Who That's is perfect. who is fucking phenomenal? He's in this my favorite film. part of this movie. He's really good in it. hundred percent. He rarely ever plays like a good guy, uh, and he is. And he's not like a total dick to her. He's nicer to her later on. Like, yeah, hey, you're clearly getting laid. You look happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. John Heard too in this movie. He's like such a a bad guy. But honestly, maybe I'm a huge square. But I'm like, yeah, I'd be pissed too. This guy who's like walks in off the street is acting like he's lost 50 IQ points. I mean, the beginning, when he first becomes like a an adult man, he's acting like he's had a traumatic brain injury, like the way that he talks and stuff. And now he's like the boss. I don't know. I'm and just now like, he, he rose to the top. Yeah, this- John Hurd's been scrapping for years at this toy company. <laughs> and now this man baby's coming and taking over. I and don't hearing know. that kind of like fucking yuppie business speak I about know. Care Bears, like, you are gross. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be around you either. I know. But it's... He's like two years off of Home business. Alone, too, and he's like, he's playing like a yuppie in his 20s before he has like, what, 11 kids and takes them to Paris? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a prequel. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, there's there's so much of this stuff that I can see. I I think Elizabeth Perkins' character is a tropey woman you wouldn't put in a movie anymore. Uh, well, I disagree. I man. disagree. Like, it's the, still uh, happening. Super serious career woman. We still have that I all mean, the time. Miranda okay. Priestly okay. and the Devil's Re- Devil Wears Prada. Like, oh, I don't have to talk about that yet, do I? I haven't seen it. I've been oh, waiting just yeah. for the show. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> I have things to say about that too. But yeah, I mean, like you know, they still do that to women. The the career ladies all uptight. I'll tell you one of the things that pisses me off now. Mm-hmm. Uh, modern Chris. I have worked, I worked in the games industry for almost a decade. I have, <laughs> from the lowest level to the lowest mid-level, Ooh, <laughs> I have worked in the games industry. <laughs> but I've seen many people at lower levels come in thinking like, I'm a janitor right now, but I'm an ideas man. 
Nobody needs an ideas man. <laughs> You're not special. No, no boss is going to hire you to come tell you whether like, hey, you know what's wrong with your game? It's not fun. <laughs> and go fuck yourself. This movie gave every person my age the wrong impression that they could yeah. come in with a young mindset and upend decades worth of business horrible boring minutia yep. <laughs> and somehow over to like and somehow uptick the toy industry it'll never work it'll eat you alive <laughs> I don't I, i'm sure this toy company doesn't still exist and it just i don't know something about 80s movies and like right now that like this is like a really rich toy company he's like he's i think they actively bitch about like hasbro and mattel yeah we're not big but we do take limos to lunch yeah <laughs> that company party where he eats the yeah. tiny corn Hello, I've never been to a company party like that in right. my life. Every company that I've looks... worked at has canceled their company parties yes. every year as the economy fails. That looks better than mm. night. More... That looks nicer than most weddings I've been to. I did. I did love this, but I, I forget Tom Hanks is a little kid, and then like he eats beluga caviar, and as she's describing it, he like throws it off his tongue. Ah! Ah! Like, and then she's like, "You want to get out of here?" I know. Like, as he's throwing up caviar into a napkin. Well, that's, I think, I don't, it's weird. It's directed by a woman, but it, and written by a woman, it just doesn't seem very well. sympathetic to a person like Elizabeth Perkins. I know. Hmm. It's rough out here, you guys. <laughs> it's. I don't know, though. I mean, there is one thing that's very realistic in this. Like, I've gone on dates where I was like, I don't know, you know, maybe I will spend the night with you. And he goes, okay, but I get to be on top. <laughs> Spit everywhere. Oh, <laughs> that's happened to me so many times. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not single anymore, huh? Right, ladies? Yeah. Yeah. I never have to be on top again. No more bug beds. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're talking about, right, well, that, guys? But that's... I mean, <laughs> yeah. Sarah was talking, like, why did people love this movie? And, like, I think every little kid thought this was what it would like to be a toy executive and to dress up your apartment on an endless budget. I don't care. Yeah. There are, like... Blank Check is a, is a terrible movie, but yes. it's all revolves around like, what if a kid had his million dollars? Or Richie Rich, anything like that, yeah. Sort of, but it's always like, I would set up my room just like that, and like that's the process of like 16 production designers and a bunch of people figuring out feng shui and symmetry. I am. What? I, would... I, I bought a soda machine and a, a giant trampoline, <laughs> and then I just used that to sleep on. I mean, to this day, a, a Manhattan apartment with a trampoline in it, like, you know oh you made it. I would love to see you know you some sort of breakdown of the numbers of how all, my, all of that, how much all that cost at that point, and then how much was he supposedly making at this toy company? We, we That's the fun he, adult stuff I think about when I watch a fun movie like this. We learned this. What, how much he made as as the John Lovitz adjacent. All right. <laughs> But I mean, that was perfect kid shit. When I I first had a hundred dollars at like 10 years old, I thought I was on top of the fucking world. I couldn't get, I could buy anything I wanted. They clearly did all the Oreos and silly string and mad magazines. You could shake a stick at. True. Um, But I wanted to give just a man. What's that? What's that? Jared Rushton as Billy. I feel like that kid was oh, in, yeah. in a ton of 80s movies, but he, he's not in a bunch of stuff. Like, huh. everything you've seen him in is kind of all he did. And one of the last things he did as a kid, he played something like a young Rodney Dangerfield and Where's Rodney, who would, like, call upon the older Rodney Dangerfield to give him advice. Uh, oh, my God. I quickly canceled Fox sitcom. I'm dying to see that. But uh, I don't know. This movie still has a, a ton of charm. I think, I swear, I watched the movie Paddington recently. Mm-hmm. And... Um, um, a kid's movie with subtlety and like not a non-abrasive music uh, with just the right amount of heart. I don't know. I think it still has that going for it, but it's still a fucking 80s movie. And your criticism, every, 
all the criticisms you want to heap on it, you can. It's, it's very easy to do. That's the thing is that it's okay. Like, mm-hmm. I still think it's a great movie. Yeah. And I still think it's very charming, has a lot of heart. I can also say these things totally. are wrong with it and still be. And I would with it. I would say like, when you watch it on TV, fine. you could make further nips and tucks and make this movie completely enjoyable across the board. Perhaps, uh, yeah. But it, it was still it was it was still enjoyable to watch again. And like you can see how like uh this this glimmer of Tom Hanks is like this guy is fucking on the rise so cool true and and that john lovitz was in it now that i'm an snl nerd and did you ever see that sketch reoccurring sketch he did with john lovitz where they're hello ladies oh, yes. and <laughs> goodbye uh i, I want to say that's how he got cast in the role they were so fond of one another on snl tom hanks is great on snl have we talked too much yeah. about big and tom hanks nah, you be the judge. i think we're ready to move on though you be the judge uh tv this week Really boring. TV in 88, we're mostly, uh, everything's uh, gone in a series finale or season finale. That's why on June 2nd, CBS is reporting on the walls within. Dan Rather tells us about PTSD, which is not a new concept, but relatively new for like CBS news. We're not calling it shell-shocked anymore. Post-traumatic stress disorder in soldiers kind of being brought to the forefront. Um, This was fascinating to me. On June 3rd, ABC airs David Bowie, The Glass Spider Tour. Ooh. David Bowie at uh, some would say at his highest hubris, a incredibly expensive expensive worldwide tour uh, with multiple stages. I think the stage was like ten to thirty million dollars. Uh, he has no album to promote. He's just touring around playing new and old music. Apparently, not enough old music as people would complain, but like just a very very expensive and what some would call pretentious stage show. Uh, this week. ABC airs a one-hour condensed version of it. Um, but here's what I didn't know, and I'm stumbling across this, is that people gave David Bowie shit because David Bowie's a fucking renegade, right? He's fucking, oh, he's such an artist. He got Pepsi to sponsor the shit out of this, and he oh. he didn't see anything wrong with it. He's like, I'm just underwriting all the stuff we want to do, and Pepsi's paying for it. Who gives a shit? I can do whatever I want, and it, Pepsi will pay for it. But what I didn't see, and they pulled this relatively quickly, uh, that David Bowie ended up doing a commercial with Tina Turner for Pepsi. Um, and apparently they pulled it not for artistic reasons, but David Bowie was accused of sexual misconduct. I know, hard what? to believe he's a 70s rock star. Uh, <laughs> but um, this, I, this, is, this, this is weird. I, I love, one of my favorite David Bowie songs is Modern Love. Sure. Everybody mm-hmm. familiar with it? I just listened but to it today. Tra- now imagine it with uh, lyrics rewritten for Pepsi. No, I don't want to. Uh-oh. I did not know this happened. But this is a brand new version of Modern Love with Tina Turner in it. I'm lying in the rain. They always wave goodbye. Oh, David, David. Needs David. more Tina. 
Needs more I, Tina. Yeah. I couldn't save that shit. The choice is mine. Oh my god. Yeah. I just want to see them. Pepsi's the choice of new generation. Dancing to actual modern love. It's so cute and <sighs> such great chemistry. I Damn never. It. I had no idea that happened. <sighs> I had no mm-hmm. idea that happened. Bummer. Uh, but that commercial was out somewhere around then. You know what? We missed this um, earlier in the year, but I thought it was worth mentioning here in a light week. Um, it's not only where at a time when most shows are not running new episodes, Fox is still struggling. So they reach out to someone they didn't quite understand. Uh, Nickelodeon's Double Dare. Mm. Family Double Dare is airing in one hour blocks on, on, on Fox. Uh, and huh. they're a little more special than the episodes airing on basic cable Nickelodeon. Ladies and gentlemen, join us for one hour ringside as the incredible Lou Ferrigno versus Weird Al Yankovic. It's the match of the century on Family Double Dare, the main event in a special one hour that'll knock you out on Family Double Dare Saturday. Yeah, so it... You're, oh, it's, man! It's, That's fun! It's virtually identical. Mark Summers is still those. Harvey is telling you what you win, and it's always British Knights. But it, it's a, an identical version to the show. But that's how much, that's how popular Double Dare is. Wow. It's it's hitting networks now on Saturday nights uh, because there's no Saturday Night Live, and because I know uh, my two co-hosts love their musicals. Love them. June fifth, the forty sure. second annual Tony Awards airs. You know what? Uh, you know what? One best play, mm, Butterfly. Madam Butterfly. Mm, I see mm, Butterfly. That's mm. Mm, Butterfly. Best musical is Phantom of the Opera. Mm-hmm. Oh. My favorite. It's that's one of the ones I've seen. Uh, best book of a musical, James Lapine, Into the Woods. Uh, yeah, I haven't heard of half of this. Wow, this is all amazing. Anything goes. Mm-hmm. Michael Crawford, the original Phantom. Best mm. performer by a featured actor to play B.D. Wong and M. Butterfly. Oh, I mm-hmm. love that too. Scott Bakula was nominated. He was. Yeah. For what? For, For romance slash romance. I guess. <laughs> in a musical. Yes, I have no idea what half of this shit is, but I didn't know Into the Woods was this old. Um, yeah, we, considering we just time. got a movie about it, which is usually how I learn musicals exist. Sure. Uh, but the 42nd Annual Tony Awards, and that's a wrap for television. You think, you think I'm not going to mention video games, but as best I can tell, this week, the NES got one of my favorite games ever, and that's Double Dragon. And Double Dragon... I've said that a billion times. If you asked me in 1989, if aliens came down and showed, asked what video games were, I would have put Double Dragon in, in the presentation. Like, here's your Mario, and your, and your Zelda, and your Final Fantasy, and I put Double Dragon there. It's since fallen off the map. Most people don't, cons- don't know what Double Dragon is. But it was a side-scrolling beat-em-up. It was a mainstay in every single arcade, bowling alley, airport. It was everywhere, and, it, and I think it was on every system you can imagine. But from Trade West, Double Dragon finally makes its debut on NES, where it will eventually see its follow-up, what I think is the best Double Dragon. Part two, The Revenge. You're free to disagree with me, but you know when you're wrong. <laughs> and that's Video Games from 1988. Uh, music of 1988. One More Try by George Michael is still number one, but we have new releases. Close by Kim Wilde. Sur la Mer by the Moody Blues and Strictly Business by EPMD. We will take you out of 1988 with Strictly Business, that title track of uh, EPMD, and we will see you once again in 1998. 
Try to answer to the master or the empty rap goddess. No joke on the lyric, sorry to be modest. I knew I was the man with the master plan to make it wiggle and jiggle like gelatin. Just think while I sing and to the bring structure. Don't sleep on the E. You see, something might rupture. It don't take time for me to blow your mind. It take a second to wreck it because you're dumb and blind. So just rounds. But you an MC climbers on the circus. EPMD is in town. Total chaos. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. Because like now you're seeing like, I don't know, how can I say this to not sound too mean? Sanctimonious people who want to claim first on when they thought Roseanne was bad. We knew about this for a decade. Like, no, we didn't. No, I watched a clip from her from a a talk show in like uh, 2012, and she was talking graciously about Barack Obama. Well, and now it'll be interesting to see how it breaks the other way. Like, who's going to come out banging the war drum on her behalf? Oh, I can't. I don't think you can do that for this. Oh, and every time we say something like that, we are proven wrongs. That happened on my Facebook. Like an ugly. Trump supporter made a very similar comment Mm. and everyone was like okay buddy that's too far way too far and he's like no it's just a joke I'm like well here's what I'll do I'll screen cap your joke and I'm going to post it on your page so your friends and family can read that (laughs) just like mine had to this morning Um, and he, he deleted it and it was this great, why wasn't the joke didn't work when it was on your page? Huh? Mm-hmm. What happened? Well, and then also a great move to that is, oh, really? I don't get it. Tell me, what's the joke? <laughs> Tell me why it's funny. Explain to me why it's And funny. I love Planet of the Apes. Believe me, I'm your audience and I didn't get it. <laughs> get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. Picture a three-way argument with uh, me, Sarah, and Diana waving fingers at one another. <laughs> we are arguing over whether the boy is mine, and it truly is ours. Uh, Brand- uh, Brandy and Monica. Man, did Monica get lucky. <laughs> <laughs> this song, this it, what, it'll be number one until the death of the universe, Diana has listed in the notes. This uh, song. Yeah. Hey, you remember how long Candle in the Wind 98 hung out? Mm. Uh, boy is mine's going to stay around about as long we got something like 14 weeks of of this song being number one it goes on forever i should have done the research like who is monica's dad how did you get in this song <laughs> you, you how did she get in this song i'd never heard of her but this song became everywhere all the time brandy I mean, brandy was already famous i think still had a sitcom on the air maybe all you need is just one name yeah maybe that's what it was brandy and chris argue over the boy <laughs> It could have worked, but there's also some new releases in the the land of 1998, June 1st through the 7th. Jimi Hendrix, the BB Sessions comes out, uh, Let It Ride by... BBC Sessions, I listen to the CD a lot. Normally I leave out reissues and compilations, but BBC Sessions, that whole series is fucking great. 
Oh, so this is a reissue. This isn't someone unearthing something that hasn't been released before. Um, I think a little bit of it has been released, but a lot of it had not. Mm. Well, you also have Let It Ride by Shed7, Abandoned by Deep Purple, Cold Self-Titled Debut, uh, Freakonica uh, by Girls Against Boys, Gloria by Gloria Stefan, If You See Her by Brooks and Dunn, MP The Last Dawn <laughs> by Master P, which, no shit, just upstairs, yeah. Sam a- actually activated my talking Master P doll, which <laughs> has slowed down to such an extent. He used to say, uh, na 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 na, and Sam accidentally hit his button. And it'll go on for like five minutes of like. Oh yeah. Uh, he had to take him into another room. Yeah. <laughs> it was. It was. It lasted minutes. That doll is haunted. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> Which is weird because yes, P is still with us. Um, Adore by Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, Monkey by Jesus and Mary Chain. Shut Him Down by Onyx and the X-Files, the album, the second X-Files soundtrack CD. Just a busy week for oh, music. Yeah, a real busy week for music. Jesus. Uh, but that's uh, that's when music music tends to dominate the summer. True. Uh, as it were. Because um, remember, in, in, in during Christmas, TV shows will pick up, but like album releases in the 80s would disappear. Mm. Like there's not an album <laughs> release for like November to January. Uh, but we're in 1998, people. June 1st to the 7th. And that means, of course, Mr. Jealousy with Eric Stoltz and Annabelle Sciorra uh, is a movie that's come out that we don't know anything about. Mm. Um, this is uh, Noah Baumbach's second movie uh, after Kicking and Screaming. And Oh, I didn't dislike um, Kicking and Screaming. Yeah, I tried to find uh, a trailer for it, mm. and the trailer sounds like it's Noah Baumbach talking about it. It's a new film by Noah Baumbach. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Stoltz plays a guy, and everything's fine. And then... He starts to get jealous. I mean, okay, Noah Baumbach does not sound like my great aunt Goldie, but, <laughs> but you can do that. It was, it was. I can. I'm allowed because I'm a thousand years old and I'm a Jew. It's, um, it's Noah Baumbach. I'm going to make a movie when nothing of consequence happens for a couple of hours, wait, and then so in this white movie, people are going to feel upset. Yeah, big bunch of maybe an occasional argument over a nice dinner. Is anyone um, smearing semen on books in the library? Because <laughs> Squid and the Whale reference. Is that just one movie that? He, okay. I think that might be the only movie. He's Damn. not Todd Solondz. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll get to that. That's coming up this year. Oh, that's baby. fantastic! Yeah. I'm champagne and your shit. Oh no, wait! It might be next year oh. because it goes up against. It, it's like happiness, like we're talking about, mm-hmm. is the American beauty that is disgusting, and I love it so much. <laughs> anyway. Moving on. A movie you might have seen, A Perfect Murder, with Michael Douglas, Gwyneth Paltrow, Viggo Mortensen, and David Sashet. Your old age. I can't do this anymore. It's not right. I've got to tell him. we waited this long. Let's just hold off so we can figure it out together. What do you think Stephen would do if he knew about David? Fooling around is the second oldest reason in the world to kill somebody. Oh, really? What's 500 grand for? Killing my wife. I feel so bad for you ladies every time I see a 90s romantic thriller and it's always Michael Douglas. Whatever, I'm into it. Fucking gray lizard. He should be in every (laughs) romantic, it's not romantic, I would say erotic thriller. Yeah, Yeah, it's always something (laughs) something disgusting happening at the same time. Yeah. I do love in this movie how the three leads all have the same haircut. It's <laughs> true. It was 98. Douglas, Paltrow. Yeah, she, Paltrow has the shortest hair among them, but it's almost the identical haircut. Yeah. Uh, Michael Douglas said it's most uh, Gordon Gecko-y. I should mm. mention this is a, basically a remake of Dial M for Murder, the mm. Hitchcock film. 
Um, which is good, but not great because you can tell it's based on a play. Yeah, the idea is, you know, a guy is going to hire someone to kill his wife and then he's got to untangle all the tangled web and stuff. And it's like, Michael Douglas should know better in this one because if David Suchet is there, Poirot is on the fucking case and you can't get away with it. <laughs> I know that is now. Um, good for you. Man, but this this movie, I think everyone I know saw week one at the box office. Jim Carrey's at the height of his powers and I guess the first glimmer that maybe he wanted to do something a little different Jim Carrey, Ed Harris, Laura Linney in The Truman Show What if? No scripts No cue cards. Morning Spencer How's it going? What if you were watched every moment of your life? How many cameras you got there in that town? 5,000 I believe Truman is the first child to have been legally adopted by a corporation That's correct Brilliant what if everyone you knew was pretending? Hi, honey. Look what I got at the checkout. Dishwasher safe. <laughs> That's amazing. What if your world was make-believe? Cue the sign. While the world he inhabits is a counterfeit. I'm not allowed to talk to you. That's how I look. Not your type. There's nothing fake about Truman himself. What if you didn't know it? Until now. Oh, this is I'm, this makes me really want to go back and rewatch this immediately. But it's I do watch great. this like once a year. Anytime it's on TV, it, I love the Truman Show. It really holds up. Is it, it is. Yep. It's one of those weird things. Like when we have stuff line up, it's like, is is this Jim Carrey's big? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this this did. I mean, in my opinion, sort of reverse the course in the types of movie he's he made. Yeah. It 100% did. I had to be dragged kicking and screaming to see this because I huh. just don't like Jim Carrey's comedy. Really? Or at What's least I don't like his, his movies. Uh, Ace Ventura and such just couldn't, just no. It's just too, too much, too in my face. Fucking, no subtlety. It drives me crazy. Fucking hysterical. And it's fun. Love it. It's annoying because he does a lot of stuff that I do find funny, but mm. his movies just no. And they're like, come on, it's got really good reviews. Come on, it's got Ed Harris. It's directed by Peter, Peter Weir. Weir. You love on. Peter Weir, Diana. Come on. <laughs> and finally I saw it and it's like, son of a bitch. And it's it's he is good. It is gorgeous. I think, I don't know, we were all little kids and had that thought, like, am I the center of the universe and no one's telling me? <laughs> yes. And this movie tells you, like, I don't know, maybe you are. Here's how they do it. And it doesn't yeah, yeah, it doesn't seem that far fetched mm-hmm. now. Five thousand cameras are something a really popular YouTube channel could pull off with a nice GoPro partnership. And mm. it's, there's an, an actual psychological uh, problem that mm. is similar to this. People who think that literally everyone in their life is acting. Oh, well, no, I've seen that working in video games where you think uh, marketing people think about all day your, how can we get a Tom $60? Like, no one's thinking about you, brother. Like, <laughs> just trying to promote the game. Relax. Um, well, it is a beautiful film, too. And um, so it was filmed mm-hmm. in this little town called Seaside, which I grew up basically three towns over from. So I spent a lot. I continue to spend a lot of time in Seaside. It looks exactly like this town. Mm-hmm. They did not wow. have to do any dressing up of anything at all. Like watching this movie kind of was almost surreal seeing there's the grocery store I've gone to a million times. There's the town circle that I've walked around a thousand times. Like Seaside is a weird town that looks exactly like the movie. Yeah, and it's charming as fuck. It's like I, a love the place. I, I totally thought this was uh, a backlot because no. it all looks so scrubbed and perfect. Right. It's and that it, scrubbed and perfect in real wow. life. Having lived in San Francisco, it's like if someone made a whole town that looked like the painted ladies. Because like s- somehow, and you don't see towns like this, you think it'd be easy where like, 
we're going to make everything the same style. Not everything can be the same color if they're next to one another. But like really, really, really design a town. And as a result, it looks fucking weird. It does look super <laughs> it, like, weird. It's a well-designed town. It basically looks like it's kind of like a Disney World mm-hmm. for adults in that like there's wine bars and there's like <laughs> Bud and Alley's, which is like this seaside restaurant that's been there forever and Modica Market. There's no chains in the... Um, town at all mm-hmm. so the only grocery store is like literally a market where they have like giant jars of olives that like the green grocer picks out it's it's a real deal it's, crazy place it's to visit an ideal location for a, a movie like this or a fucking horror movie where someone's mm-hmm. trapped somewhere because like remember when he drives out tries to leave the town like yeah that's just a florida bridge yeah there's like nothing in between most florida towns and it's like wow this really worked out really well for the for the production which is the, the, it's supposed to be this whole City is a set. Right. Every townsperson is an actor. And uh, I don't want to discuss how, what Laura Linney has to do for this role. Uh, <laughs> live and sleep with she this She better be being. getting better than scale, man. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's, I think the only thing crazy about it is expecting this show to have lasted 20, 30 years. Yeah. Because <laughs> people tire of reality shows like this uh, pretty quickly. But it's still incredibly, incredibly interesting. And, and like, it's a movie that, because they made, what, what was it, Ed TV? Right. A similar mm-hmm. movie that, like, doesn't hold up as well. But, like, I love that we're not shown a glimpse of the world outside Truman's. Mm-hmm. Nope. We're just... Never. No, well, we do see, like, oh, no, the diner where they're watching it on the TV right. and stuff like that. But you don't know what year it is. Right, or like, what, right. Like, what, what's happening in the outside world. That how did we let a corporation adopt a child and then become an unwitting star of his own television program for decades. Yeah. Very the cool. human rights issues are vast. <laughs> they are abound, for sure. Yep. That, He's going to get to sue everybody. And and Jim Carrey, I don't know if he was like desperate. I want everyone to see I can act. Because like, and you know what? None of us could have foreseen the documentary Jim and Andy, how this, would, <laughs> how this movie would visually score Jim Carrey's psyche in 2018. Oof. That like without the Truman Show footage... The Jim and Andy documentary is nothing. Huh. <laughs> I'm just tired of being this character on screen all the time. Then cut to a clip of the Truman Show wow. <laughs> of him trying to walk down the street and someone directing something that he can't see. I don't know. I love both those movies very much. But Truman Show is absolutely worth a look. It's one of those movies I thought would grow stupider yeah, me in too. years. And it really doesn't. Mm. And I think that's Peter Weir, like a guy who visually really knows what he's doing. So what else... Did Peter Weir do? Gallipoli. Um, yeah, freaking Gallipoli is amazing. Uh, Master and Commander. Mm-hmm. Oh, Chris's um, favorite. Witness. <laughs> Witness. Okay. Uh, yeah. And I thought, did he, did he have a tendency to like direct people who aren't known as serious actors into serious actor fodder? Maybe that's sort of how he got this role wow, as director. Wow, that's a unique talent. Yeah, I thought. <laughs> to be I able thought... to get that. Kind of I just remember reading a ton about this. Obviously, we were all, well, not Diana, but we were all huge Jim Carrey fans. He was like the biggest box office draw in the world. And he made yeah. a bunch of high-profile comedies. And this is the closest he got to serious at this point. And we were, I don't know, everybody was there and it worked out. It was not a mistake. Mm-hmm. Truman Show is yeah. good shit. And uh, you can see see him and uh, Paul Giamatti in the same movie again with no, no scenes shared. I thought that was funny when, Jesus, when Jim and Andy is cutting between Man on the Moon and Truman Show. And they both have Paul Giamatti in them. Hmm. Anyway, uh, we got to move into TV. See Truman Show for real. I I I might rewatch that right after this this podcast. Yeah, I have not I've not seen it, it unedited for television in about two years. Uh, TV nineteen ninety eight to June first through the seventh. The challenge debuts on MTV. I believe <gasps> it's still on twenty years later. I kind of love the challenge, you guys. <laughs> 
I, I, think I haven't seen it in a very long time. Well, the challenge is what was, what was it? Road Rules All-Stars, then Real World versus Road Rules Challenge. I did not know that'd be that uh, right. much of a tongue twister to it's say so out loud. It's so hard to say. <laughs> Real World versus Road Rules Challenge. Yeah. Rural Juror. The Rural Juror. <laughs> it became the challenge. Just where MTV's old reality stars came back to battle it out in all-star format. And it's changed names throughout yeah. the years. but well, it's, they've had like different iterations. It's messy and disgusting and... <laughs> It's kind of super fun. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen it in many years because I don't recognize anyone on it anymore. But on June third, following the nanny, CBS airs The Simple Life. No, not that one. A Judith Life starring sitcom about a Martha Stewart style host uh, who moves her show from Manhattan to an upstate farm. And I cannot believe we have to talk about this again this quickly. June sixth is the debut of this little program. Woo, ladies, grab the cosmos. It is time. For Sex in the City. Uh, I know we just talked about the movie last week, but the show debuted 10 years earlier, almost to the day. That's, that's such a rewarding way to celebrate your 10th anniversary with a fucking movie. But this, I don't know, what do we say about Sex in the City? I think the guy should talk the most. Sure. Um. You made that same joke last week, so that's appropriate. <laughs> uh, I'm a big fucking rerun. Why do people still listen to this? Uh, <sighs> Sex and City, ladies. Okay, so last week I went off on how much I hate the movie. And here's why I hate the movie so much, because I love the show. Mm. And I feel like they fucked it up. That's why. It's, you know, you only the the, the opposite of, of love isn't hate, it's indifference. And so I'd only get that angry if it was something I loved. I admit I was a late, I'm a late adopter about everything, so I didn't watch Sex in the City until like the second season because of something sort of popular. <laughs> and I'm like, they're like, it's zeitgeisty. I'm like, ah. <laughs> but then I watch it. And I'm like, fuck, this show is actually very clever. Yeah. As much as it's about, you know, these four kind of semi archetypes and their lives, their loves, their problems. But it like gets into relationship nitty gritty that I can't think of other shows that do. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's being it's created by Darren Starr, a guy who had created a bunch of popular, but I would say unremarkable programs like Nine or Two and O and Melrose Place. Those are just primetime soap operas that like no one really gives a fuck about. But yeah. people love Sex and the City. There's like a biblical aspect to it. Oh yeah. I always it was a different time for sure, but like everywhere I went, every woman had a DVD copy of Sex and the City, even they had a dumpy TV and no cable and every guy had a copy of The Sopranos. It was just like this little thing like <laughs> both both of us like some you had one or the other in your household. Like I don't know what HBO programs do people have on DVD now. Watch Westworld once, throw it away. <laughs> but Sex and the City, like I, my girlfriend and her friends at the time would like watch all of the time, and I didn't hate it. Didn't hate it at all. Yeah, it's easy yeah. to revisit, definitely. Yeah, just, I mean, I love that, you know, it's something about women and their lives that's sex positive, that's not played. I mean, it's played for laughs. Plenty of goofy shit is played for laughs. But the idea of like, uh, I'm a single woman and maybe I want a relationship and love and romance and maybe I just want to get nailed. Well, that's what they, they discuss in the premise of the episode. It's so like, fucking nice to have that. Yeah. <laughs> the, the premise of the first episode is like to start see, treating sex like a throwaway experience like guys do. Mm-hmm. And it's it's, yeah. it's about Carrie, Carrie, Carrie Bradshaw? Yes. Mm-hmm. Same initials as uh, Candace Bushnell. Who wrote the book on which it's based? Uh, I I, like. I don't know. I was trying to look into like, did this really happen? How much of this shit actually happened to Candace? Um, And I couldn't really get to the bottom of that. Was she a columnist before? Mm -hmm. Okay, she's a columnist for the Observer, not the Star. If should a magazine exist? Yes, Mm -hmm. I've seen the show. 
uh, Biggs in the first episode. I watched part of it. Right. Uh, but but I don't know. It looks it looks really good. And I, I know the Mr. Show guys would always make a joke about like, when's the next season of Mr. Show? I'm like, have you s- the the budget for our our show isn't as much of Sex in the City's catering. The show <laughs> is looks so much better than it anything HBO really had made good. ever made before. Yeah, I mean, I had I had some problems sometimes with the show, mostly with Carrie Bradshaw's character. She's so fucking needy. Yes. <laughs> oh my um, god. Yes. And I I like that she seemed to be developing sort of away from that, and that's part of why the movie pisses me off is she gets really needy and dumb. Um, but it also it besides the sex positivity, it taught me an important lesson, which is you can dress as crazy as you want as long as you wear it with confidence. Everyone will love it. That's an extremely important lesson, I think. And mm-hmm. I mean, I, like, I, I feel like this show definitely shaped an entire generation's thoughts and feelings about sex and dating. Mm. I mean, I don't know if we can fully even now um, realize how far the reach was with this show and how much it really yeah. impacted the way people feel about relationships. I mean, just, just what I said, almost every woman I know had a, had a copy of this somewhere. Either it was gifted to them or they bought it. Yeah. But it was, and they even like sold it in like sets that like, that didn't look like a DVD in your house that like yeah. would kind of fit into your bookshelf. That's true. Uh, because, because they knew that. And I, I don't know, I've seen a ton of episodes I like. Kim Bittrell's character, like, what, Samantha? Mm-hmm. Fucking awesome. Like, mm-hmm. I just love that episode where she fucking, like, she decides to just start like <laughs> strapping on for her lady lover and like, Gotta hand it to men. This is not easy to do this long. I'm like, Thank you. Never get any credit for that. <laughs> Doing all the work here. Yeah, I think my favorite uh, part, something like that, was yeah. The, let's just get to the punch. The punchline is it's called a job for a reason. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, true. Um, uh, I gotta ask, you got, who are your ladies? Which one are you? Hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm clearly a Miranda. I'm obviously Miranda. <laughs> Congratulations yeah, on your mayoral victory, ladies. <laughs> I'm you. very proud of both of you. Yeah. I'm clearly I'm the Miranda because uh, I roll my eyes at the other three too much. <laughs> it's like, oh, get, oh, oh my god. Yeah, oh, I forget where I read it where it said yeah the the four main characters are uh, needy, prissy, slutty, and bossy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely bossy. <laughs> I'm bossy. Yeah. Well. I'm definitely a Steve. I'm a big pushover wiener who constantly wants to please <laughs> You are Marie. not a Steve. No, I think as the older I get, I want to, because just because I, I would uh, like to have sex with Charlotte the most, so I want to be the ugly guy she bangs and ends up being with throughout the rest of the oh, series. Oh, the attorney. Yeah, there you go. Wealthy dude, ugly as shit, but bangs all right. Yeah. Um, she has to eventually wax his back because it's too disgusting. There are too many parallels Whoa. here. Um, <laughs> too <laughs> Whoa. many parallels. Um, but yeah, not not a bad show. And also, I got to say, like, hyper digestible yeah like there's not a lot of things that look at for me there wasn't a lot of things that uh a comedy that looked this good that was half an hour like most most like maybe a law and order drama would shoot in manhattan but this thing was this show was gorgeous that's an hbo money yeah widescreen on film like it looks great and i think it'll, it'll probably look great for a while not unlike the sopranos looks really really good compared to a lot of tv on network uh networks right now yeah well, I think we're about to also catch up with the premiere of Seinfeld. So, Diana, you want to just make this into a <laughs> Sex in the City and Seinfeld <laughs> recap show? Because Don't do it. I feel like we could do it pretty easily. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that on the 7th, this is even better. Uh, Kelly Kelly is off the air. Yeah, we talked about it briefly for a second. Sorry, I'm just changing subjects. And also on June 7th, I can't believe they timed it to the day. Uh, 
CBS airs the 52nd annual Tony Awards hosted by Rosie O'Donnell. What won Woo. that year? Uh, it says it says the Lion King became the first franchise to get an EGOT uh, at the Tonys this year. Okay. Yeah, because it won for Best Musical. But I'm like, what fucking Emmy did the Lion King win? Probably soundtrack. No. Is that a thing? That's a, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, Emmy. That's yeah, like, I mean, show. maybe Timon and Pumbaa. Uh, like, did that, that won a fucking what? Emmy? Like, I didn't bother to check it out, but like, how did Lion King win a goddamn Emmy? Okay, Lion King also was not that good. That's a musical? Yeah. No? I was not into Suck it. Suck it, Julie Tambor. Is that her? That's yeah, it, right? I think yeah, so. look at me go. I'm great at musicals. <laughs> You're so good at them. Uh, best revival, Cabaret, Diana. Oh, hey. oh that's, that's the good revival of Cabaret, too, at uh, Studio 54. Really? Because, uh, yeah, Alan Cumming and uh, Natasha yeah. Richardson both won. Oh, yeah. Both best, term. yeah. I, I'm pretending I know what you're talking about. but <laughs> Alan Cumming. Richardson. No, I know who he is. I just don't know what any... I, I have no idea what Cabaret is about. And the only thing I know... Oh, Liza you should watch the movie. It's freaking great. The movie's great. so good. Liza with the Z is in it. And Joel Grey. Lucille Ostero? Yes. Yeah. Lucille, too. Lucille, too. Lucille, too. And Joel Grey, Jennifer Grey's dad. Why are you even listening to this? A new Arrested Development is on, people. Hop to it. <laughs> Go get it. Uh, but that rounds out television, I believe. Oh, no, no. Do, do, uh, this I thought was funny. Uh, on June 7th, the Jewelry Channel <laughs> liquidates what? itself. Nobody told me. <laughs> I'd never even heard of it. It was only like, on like DirecTV and Dish, those, those channels that like offered a 1,000 channels and really needed to fill space. Uh, and they have a going at a business sale. I looked all <laughs> over YouTube to find this, but it eventually became the Liquidation Channel and still exists today as Shop LC. But it was once the Jewelry Channel because we had maybe America needs to give its distribute its money a little better. Um, liquidation <laughs> Channel sounds so much worse than Jewelry really Channel. Does. It, it really does. It sounds so like, like a some crying family, futuristic <laughs> like um, <laughs> crime <laughs> jail thing where this is how we deal with criminals. Anybody want to bid on the Tuttle's above ground pool? Please, not our pool. It's going to get so hot here in Arkansas. Hey, um, welcome to the fell off a truck channel. Uh, yeah, these cigarettes, they, do, they don't have the tax stamp on them, but, you know, they're the same cigarettes. They smoke just as good. <laughs> Coming up next on Slightly Irregular. <laughs> uh, um, Diane has this listed. We did miss this on uh, May 30th uh, last week. Okay, so it's only, we only missed it by two days, so mm-hmm. we're, we're good. May 30th, 1998 was the MTV Movie Awards that was like the best one ever. Yeah, it's pretty good. First of all, hosted by Samuel L. Jackson. What? Which is awesome. <laughs> um, Titanic wins like all the awards. Who gives a shit? But number one, Rose McGowan wears that dress. Mm. I'll never oh, forget. Oh, yeah. my God. She's just naked. She's just wearing a G-string. Yeah. And her dress is just a see-through mini panel the size of a washcloth and some sort of beads in the back. And her just butt's just there. And she's dating Marilyn Manson. And it's just... Oh my god! I gotta say, you're showing some real balls going after Rose McGowan. I would not, I would not be on record talking shit about her. She might come. No look, one's talking look shit. Look for a tweet. Oh, okay. There's only admiration. No. Oh I feel god. like I don't want to be involved in this. This all goes right back to what I was saying: is whatever you're wearing, if you wear it with confidence, mm-hmm. it's yep. gonna look good, even if it's your, just your own butt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Ah, uh, but uh, I mean, uh, I don't then, know. And I tried so hard to find a good clip of this because I remember it very well. They Every year they would do a Lifetime Achievement Award and it would be a joke. They would give it to Godzilla or they'd give it to Jason Voorhees mm-hmm. and they give it to Chewbacca. Clint Howard, mm-hmm. who's, you know, a goofy little character actor who shows up in Ron Howard's movies because it's his brother. And he takes it so heartfelt and so seriously. He really does. They feel bad and they retire the award. Yeah. I remember this. Yeah, they retire. They, they call it something else. 
like a gen- they, they the generational award. Two thousand five, where it becomes the generations award. Yeah, and spoiler: so they, they Adam Sandler wins in the next segment. But. Yeah, <laughs> but it's so sweet. I mean. It's the two great moments from that. Last year we had where Chewbacca finally gets his medal mm-hmm. from Princess Leia. And now we get Clint Howard like, this is the only award he's ever going to get. Right. And he, he that's the way he talks about it. And there's like, I remember there was a retrospective on the awards where Clint Howard's like, I know it's not real, but like, I was proud of it. And yeah. I could tell Ron was really proud of me. And and they, they give him like a sizzle reel. He was that little kid in Star Trek, the original yeah. Star Trek. And you get to see all of Ron, like Clint Howard's work. And I don't know. In a pre-YouTube world, anybody would have bothered to do that. It was a really cool thing for MTV to do. So you don't they weren't giving it to him in like a joke like to make fun of him. I want to say it was partially jokey because in this were. In, okay. in this award show, there was an awesome apocalypse movie parody where the Asterix from Insync's logo was crashing into Earth. Oh. And he was the, he was <laughs> the controller guy. It was fucking funny. And Ron, and Clint Howard was in it. Okay. Uh, and and so I thought that's like, is this just because he was there and like in the sketch, but I mean, there's nothing more badass than taking something that someone's using to try and make fun of you and making it so heartfelt that you ruin it for like almost it's, a decade. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Cause you, it's hard not to love Clint Howard. He's fucking awesome. The, the longer he's on screen, the better that product gets mm-hmm. and only Ron Howard uses him, And he absolutely shows up in solo. Uh, thank Christ. Nice. Thank Christ. Uh, but yeah, I forgot they retired it after that year. Cause it was like, where else are you going to go with it? Yeah, you just can't. And like, also, come on. And, and also, good '90s goodness uh, games of 1998. Vigilante Eight comes out. I would say beating Twisted Metal at its own game. That game, or genre, is vehicular combat. Think Street Fighter, but with cars. Huh. Uh, eight cars on a screen, driving around, blowing each other up. Uh, it was a better looking, better playing game. It just didn't have the the franchise longevity but Vigilante 8 eventually got an Xbox Live Arcade re-release from Activision not a bad game and if you actually like that small genre of games car combat and I do Vigilante 8 very very good came out this week June 1st to the 7th uh, 1998 we will go out of 1998 uh, with Ava Adore by Smashing Pumpkins a song I cannot stand uh, <laughs> but we will see you once again in 2008 This week on Laser Time, the internet's seventh leading pop culture podcast, the gang is tackling a brand new topic. As of 1984. Oh, yes. Um, what do you think? Uh, what do you think Phil Phillips, Prince Gary, not Prince Gary, Pastor Gary, <laughs> are going to have a problem with E.T.? Is there anything you can guess off the top of your head? Oh, man. Um, cross-dressing. Well, it's against violence. There is totally cross-dressing. <laughs> <laughs> Adamantly against cross-dressing. He, he saved that scorn for uh, someone else. Okay. But, uh, E.T., the extraterrestrial. What, do you, what can we say about him? Well, E.T. smashed box office records in 1982 by doing $318 million. It was a camouflage occult movie, including uh, levitation, psychic oh, healing, God. mind control, uh, mental telepathy. E.T. also included some inferences to homosexuality. No, it didn't. <laughs> no, it didn't. False. Let me see the part of your brain 
That's and he doesn't go on to elaborate. Oh, I was gonna say, like, well, you just paused it, so go on. There are he doesn't. There is not a hint of any kind of sexuality in this entire film. Is it the mom's film. haircut? Uh, oh, wait, no, he does kiss someone while drunk. <laughs> Jesus Christ, the 80s were weird. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mom's haircut is a little gay. <laughs> I say this as having her haircut right now. <laughs> That's Laser Time. New every Monday on LazerTimePodcast.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. This internet and all the ships at sea, it's time for Diana's Classic Corner, where we look even further back in time this week to see if there's something worth a watching. And I got some strong recommends this week and next week. Oh my god, next week. But this week, uh, June 1st through the 7th, um, 75 years ago this week, unfortunately, June 1st, 1943, uh, we lost Leslie Howard. Uh, he was only 50. Um, most people probably remember him as uh, Leslie Wilkes. Wait, did I say that right? No as Ashley Wilkes in Gone with the Wind. That's definitely his most famous part. But uh, he was actually a war casualty. He was uh, flying somewhere uh, during, we're in the middle of the war in Europe and his plane crashed. I want to say like Portugal, Spain. He might have been a spy. They're not really sure, but uh, he's one of the few big stars who actually died during the war. So I have a couple movies to recommend because Leslie Howard is definitely the kind of guy we do not see anymore. He's very soft, effete even, genteel. And it works really well in a couple movies. Uh, Intermezzo in 1939, uh, I recommend. 49th Parallel, which also has another title I'm blanking on from 1941, uh, is a cool war drama about they're like in northern Canada, I think, and some Germans show up at this base, and the, there's like all this negotiating going on, and people getting trapped and kidnapped and trying to escape. A big recommend is Petrified Forest from 1936 because not only is it Leslie Howard uh, in a great role, it's got Betty Davis and it's got the first big star-making role for Humphrey Bogart, who named one of his kids Leslie for Leslie Howard because Leslie Howard basically started Humphrey Bogart's career. So without Leslie Howard, who died 75 years ago this week, no freaking bogey. So that's it for this week. Stay classic. in with uh, the Fleet Foxes White Winter Hymnal off their self-titled debut. Obviously, we're in 2008, June 1st through the 7th. Uh, talking about music, we have new releases, Indestructible by Disturbed, uh, Wake the Sleeper, uh, Uriah Heep's first studio album in 20 years, uh, Fucking Smilers by Amy Mann, uh, The Declaration by Ashanti, Gavin Rossdale's solo debut, Wanderlust, Ugh. Perfectly Clear by Jewel, Revelation by Journey, and Weezer's Red Album. The Red Album? Yeah. I, think, uh, I mm -hmm. thought it was a Ratted Album. That was Ratitude. I don't know. So many years away from covering Africa, which I'm happy to report they finally did. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, <laughs> Lollipop by Lil Wayne is still number one. Uh, oh, Jesus. You flooded it with the fucking Broadway stuff this week, didn't we? Uh, news, 2008, June 1st to the 7th. On June 1st, 
Rent closes on Broadway after 12 years. Oh. Rent's been gone for 10 years? Yeah. Since someone yep. get me a minute count so we can sing about it? 500 <laughs> minutes. I'll never see. Oh again. my god. Um wow. Diana got these. I'm just surprised you found this. Did Michael remind you of this? Oh. No, no, I, I've been doing some digging uh, from like Know Your Meme places like that to mm. try to find the the ori- original date on some uh, memes online. We found some about like lolcats mm. and Rage Comics. And uh, this this we got uh, the 10 year anniversary of a meme at first I was horrified by. <laughs> and now that I understand the concept uh, and, and the context, I love it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. People, not JPEG. people are really mean about this. But Sarah... Uh, there was a little comic web comic about video games called Control Alt Delete. Oh, I'm familiar with Control Alt Delete. Oh, certainly. you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, just not this specific situation. Uh, and then I think oh. let's just say something happened to the writer creator, and all of a sudden the the comic became about a miscarriage, um, and Lost.jpg begins. Wow. Like, <laughs> yeah. We have to look into that. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely remember it because. I don't know. It's one of those things that, like, wow, it's an artist experiencing grief, and man, his fans his fans reacted very poorly. <laughs> you see, I didn't understand the the context of what the comic was about. You know, mm-hmm. the day before, mm-hmm. or the day before that, mm-hmm. I just thought, oh, it's an ongoing comic about people's lives, and people are making fun of this miscarriage happening, and that's disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I realized, oh no, this was light and comedy and video gamey and then all of a sudden giant serious bomb gets dropped on everyone where it just it's out of nowhere mm. that it gets so heavy and he's rushing into the hospital and asking the nurse where is she and she's like on the bed crying and it's like oh okay you've gotten <laughs> self-serious i guess so but it wasn't reflective of what, what the artist was going through i just assumed it was otherwise why i believe do? it was mm. I, I believe what just makes it even worse that it's oh it's so tasteless to make fun of yeah but, but let's do it anyway the, the self-seriousness i i understand that like, part so i kind of reluctantly laugh at some things now where it's like they make like the super minimalist version it's like you know a one vertical line two vertical lines <laughs> A vertical line and a horizontal line, you know, done in panels. And it's yeah. like, oh, okay, I get it. Can I title this episode uh, Lost.mp3? <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, here it is with different comic book characters. Uh, here it is. Oh, no, Magneto's really upset about that miscarriage. In better like, news on June 3rd, Barack Obama wins the Democratic uh, nomination for president. My God. I want to say Do yay. people know he's a black guy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but now we're living through this as the hangover. From, oh, God, yes. <laughs> uh, from those times. I Was it worth it? Can't say just yet. Haven't lived long enough. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, that sounds terrible. <laughs> but movies of 2008, June 1st through the 7th. I have never heard of this movie. Sean William Scott and John C. Riley, who should make a fucking funny movie together. Sure. Uh, why haven't I heard of the promotion? I think it was just some black apples. We won't be seeing that happen again. Black apples. I said bad ones. This is Richard. I didn't mean to say black. I meant back. Blatch. Blad. <laughs> Blapples. This is where they live. Is that guy still standing on his balcony staring at us? Yeah. That's nice. This is where they work. There's a little bit of a lack of security in your lot because your security guy was sleeping in my car. This is what they want. 
Nice location. Yeah, I'm gonna put in for it, full manager. Yeah, me too. Hey, give me five. Still the show. Oh, what if Sean William Scott was Will Ferrell? Would we still be talking about this movie? Mm-hmm. I just love Step Brothers that much. If the, both those characters were per, competing for a promotion at their local grocery store, I'd be there in a second. I, I didn't even know. I I'd know. never Is this heard of it. I can't imagine. Yeah, I haven't heard of it either. It's got a lot of other funny people in it in small parts. And I don't know what happened. It just came and went and nobody noticed. Or I mean,. It didn't look unfunny based on the trailer. I know, but I was on the John John C. Riley train at this okay. point. I feel like I would have heard about it if it was something worth promoting. I guess uh, it's got fifty three on Rotten uh, Tomatoes. So uh, mm-hmm. I can't believe I just can't believe I've never heard of it. Um, and if you have, put it in the comments. Defend this movie. <laughs> this this is a movie that's uh, harder to defend. Oh, <laughs> um, Why did I say that? Yeah, don't mess with the Zohan. Sorry, Adam Sandler, John Totoro, Emmanuel. I can't say that. Cheerkwee? Cheerkwee? And Nick Swardson. Hey, I'm back. He is the greatest Israeli soldier the world has ever known. Zaha. You're like Rembrandt with a grenade. But it was time for a change. I wanted to leave the army. I love my country, but the fighting... When does it end? They've been fighting for 2,000 years. It can't be much longer. What do you do? I want to cut and style hair. (laughs) (laughs) Don't mess with the Zohan. I feel like there's part of this movie, parts of this movie I laughed at, but it's almost time to stop for me to stop defending Adam Sandler at this point. Uh, But this was, this was the one like Judd Apatow had like skyrocketed Mm -hmm. uh, into mainstream fame. And he's an old friend of Adam Sandler. And I saw that this movie is like, Oh, this is written by Sandler, Robert Smigel and Judd Apatow would not great written an Adam Sandler movie, but it is wholly an Adam Sandler film. Ridiculous stars, all his friends. They go to a tropical location, not tropical, but you know what I'm saying? What, what, how did we describe Israel? It's not quite a desert. It's a beautiful no, beach. He goes to New York, right? Is that his yes, thing? Yes, but it's it's set largely in Israel ah. uh, in the beginning anyway. Uh, because I know this because it's in the video I made, uh, Adam Sandler Loves Food. You'll never what? guess how he sneaks in a promotion uh, as his IDF agent. It's hummus. Uh. Sneaks in a hummus. I love the Sabra hummus. Sabra good. It's so yummy. Sabra good. Um, and hmm. Uh, I, I'm gonna, I always get in trouble when I talk shit in this movie, but I don't mean to because this is my might be my favorite DreamWorks movie. Yeah, premieres this. I week. like this one. Me too. Yeah. I like it a lot. I think it's fantastic. Uh, Seth Rogen, Lucy Liu, Angelina Jolie, Dustin Hoffman, Jackie Chan, and Jack Black in Kung Fu Panda. This June, when you focus on Kung Fu, you suck. The way to get through to you is with this. Have a dumpling. DreamWorks Kung Fu Panda. You have done well, Panda. Done well? <laughs> I've done awesome! Oof. Yes, you have done awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I really like beginning and like this movie so very much. This um, is another one, like, I thought it was, I thought this was gonna suck. This should've. looks so dumb. 
like, oh, God, it's a fat panda and it's supposed to be Jack Black. So it's going to be like crazy rock and roll guy and just a bunch <laughs> of fat jokes. And it is so well done. Mm-hmm. And the animation is so goddamn good on all the fight scenes. Right. Yeah. And it has a positive message about leaning into your strengths. Yeah, I really like it. And the animation is so good with those dumplings. I think yeah. he did like a laser oh, time about is food, cartoon food at one point. <laughs> this definitely, I was like watching this the whole time. I was like, God damn, I need some dumplings. Yeah, and, and, and uh, for me, DreamWorks, it's, 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 DreamWorks movies aren't always very pretty or the animation isn't funny. I think mm-hmm. Shreks are very stiff movies. Mm-hmm. How to Train Your Dragon. looks. I love the first one. Not a big fan of the rest of them. But I think, I don't know, that's, uh, I, I don't have the right cast on here right now, but DreamWorks always reminds me of PlayStation the first year they were out. They have one hit, and then they make five of them, and then we forget what was ever awesome about that franchise to begin with. Like Now I'm like three Kung Fu Pandas behind, seven tra- How to Train Your Dragons behind. I don't remember what I liked about it. It's just ubiquitous and everywhere. Stop making more of these things. Give me this one movie I can go back and love. Yeah, there's um, like TV. I mean, it's all TV stuff, but there's right. what three Kung Fu Pandas. I still haven't there watched are. the third one. The second one is also really fucking right. good. And that's what I was going to say because I usually hate the second DreamWorks everything, and I do like the second Kung Fu Panda. I haven't seen the third uh, or the yeah, Christmas special. Like, they all have oh. Christmas specials. I'll give them props for that. DreamWorks oh, makes cool. righteous Christmas specials. But Kung Fu Panda, pretty fucking, pretty goddamn good. Pretty goddamn yeah. good. I remember that- It makes me happy when I can. There's a kids movie that me, a person with no kids, can just sit and just get just as much out of, if not more, because like there's be some jokes for grownups or whatever. Yeah, Agreed. And, and, I totally agree. And if you're an old school animation nerd, the title sequence in this film in general is just, it looks fucking great. Just all the animations. So good. The whole escape sequence with the bad guy with, you know, and he's got like chains with these rocks and then they come up with all this, this really complicated defying of physics stuff to make it happen. Ah, oh, it's really cool. Yeah, and I'm usually like, I usually. And it's got the traditional music. I really like that without it being like, you know, ching chongy Chinesey. You know, it's yeah. like they put care into it to like not be offensive. Yeah, it's not all the Kill Bill parody you heard in the trailer. Uh, yeah. Yeah, much, much recommended uh, Kung Fu Panda. For real, for real. I'm not fucking around. That makes, that, yeah, that makes three great movies per segment. That doesn't always happen on a 302010. It must be the that, summer. That like never <laughs> happens. The hat trick of movies. <laughs> it must be the summer. So let's move into 2008, uh June 1st to the 7th in TV. Um ooh, the MTV Movie Awards. Uh Mike Myers is the host. Um Jesus Christ. Can you read this Diane? It makes me sick to my stomach. Oh, I have to. Yeah. All right. Best movie is Transformers. And the <laughs> aforementioned return of the Lifetime Achievement Award, which we don't call it that anymore, the Generation Award, goes to Adam Sandler, who I'm sure threw to a clip of Don't Mess with a Zohan. <laughs> uh, Transformers is the best movie. Why not have a category for most profitable? But that's what you wanted to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to see what else won here. Because it's all really, so there was a couple things that like I didn't even recognize. Uh, Will Smith won for I Am Legend, best male performance, uh, best female performance. Ellen Page and Juno, hey, get happy. Zach oh. Af- Efron wins best breakthrough performance for oh, Hairspray. Wow. I'm, I'm in. Johnny Depp, best per- uh, comedic performance in At World's End. Eh. But the best fight, I'm like, Sean Ferris and Cam Gigandet for Never Back Down? Huh? What? Never mm. heard of it. Eh. And best movie so far, Iron Man. I can dig it, MTV. I'm still young. Hooray. 
but also on June 1st, CBS <laughs> aired Regis Philbin's Million Dollar Password. Didn't last very long, but thought they could have that. Uh, how to? Who wants to be a millionaire? Regis Philbin magic. Uh-huh. Not, not, not one more time. Uh, but uh, June 4th, The Price is Right has another uh, Million Dollar Spectacular. I love it when they do that. Uh, and June 5th, I think, was the debut or end, I didn't write it down, of CBS's Swingtown. A, probably the end. Probably. <laughs> it didn't last long. And it was an okay show, but there was no way it was going to last. It should have been a miniseries. As a 70s period piece. Okay, um, yeah. Uh, but but uh, exploring sexuality on the Old People's Network. It built a last. Oh, yes. I do remember this now. Okay. And I'm not here, but uh, our buddy Matt J did a... Uh, like really went to bat for this little series. If you can, uh, if this is familiar to you. Flapjack, hey, Flapjack, come with me. We'll go and see a place called Candied Island. Who needs Candied Island? It's safe. The Misadventures of Flapjack debuts on uh, the Marvelous World of Flapjack debuts on Cartoon Network. And Matt brought it up for something we call Ground Zero shows or shows that everything, everyone who worked on them after who worked on them. Afterward would do things that are incredibly famous. So it's, uh, it ran three seasons on Cartoon Network. Won uh, the Primetime Emmy for Outstanding Series in 2009. It was created by Throp Von Orman, writer and storyboarder for Powerpuff Girls, Camp Laszlo, Grim Adventures of Bill and Mandy. And the creative director was uh, J.Q. Quintel uh, of regular show fame. Um, so a bunch of... It has an awesome pedigree of animators who worked on it. And I, it's, it falls in that weird period of me not having cable in Cartoon Network is not good to its old shows. They don't exist. There's no DVDs. You can't stream them. I don't know where to find this or see it, but I hear wonderful things about the marvelous world of Flapjack. It's just beyond me. Uh, but uh, on June 7th, a CBS TV movie remake of Sybil starring uh-huh. <laughs> Jessica Lange and Tammy Blanchard. Diana, you know anything more about Sybil so I don't have to do it? Uh, Sybil is a story about a woman who has multiple personalities. <laughs> but wasn't it, it was based on a book, right? Yeah. Originally. But right. didn't she come out and like recant a lot of that or was shown to be like not. Almost real? definitely. Um, it turns out the multiple personalities is not really much of a thing. There've been like five people, I think in history that they've proven, no, you actually do have a personality that's so segmented that it's like there's different people living in your head Mm. usually there's another explanation for it it's not like oh no i suddenly switch and now i'm actually now i'm roger and i i have been created because of trauma that happened to diana a bunch of years ago (laughs) also i'm a murderer but you can't put me in jail you're saying roseanne can't use this to save her show or that primal fear shit nope (laughs) not not really a thing gotcha well, I feel like multiple personalities disorder, like quicksand, is something that was like really prominent <laughs> in things when I was growing up. Turns out to not be a thing you encounter. Yeah, quicksand is actually kind of hard or easy to get out of if you're in it. Turns out, really, mm-hmm. I, I learned that the other day. Well, it was it came up on Archer, and I remember reading a thing about how to get out of quicksand. You just kind of like lay flat, right? And it's supposed yeah, to like not that hard. I don't need any mind. more disappointments today. Don't don't <laughs> talk shit on quicksand. <laughs> It's the last thing I have protecting me from the monsters outside this house. Um, <laughs> that is it for television. But a big week for games because it's 2008. And a bunch of really fun ones. Uh, Hot Shots Golf Open T2 for PSP. I love Hot Shots Golf if you've never played it. Uh, it's a, a fantastic... I think they, it's called Everybody's Golf now. Hey, who'd have guessed? Kung Fu Panda has a game on every platform. Thank you, DreamWorks. Lego Indiana Jones premieres. The original adventures. Pretty fun if you aren't yet tired of Lego games. Ninja Gaiden 2, a fantastic game for the Xbox 360. 
uh, Dragon Ball Burst something. Um, <laughs> Robert, Lubla, Robert, Robert Ludlum's The Born Conspiracy comes out uh, for... Uh, yes. What? So it's a video game from the Born... About the Born something? The book? That goes back to the original books? Oh, see, you, these, these ladies don't play enough games. So when there's a really hot movie property... Yeah. A lot of times, back in the day, people would license the books on which they're based. Therefore, they get mm-hmm. no Matt Damon, they get no score, they get nothing from the actual movies, but they have something that's named after something that's popular. Hmm. I only remember this, and this is a dumb story, because I was working in video games at this point when we were previewing stuff, and like, ah, who wants to take this? I'll take it. And our buddy Matt uh, took took uh, this preview appointment, and he gets back and like, well, how was the game? And he's like, I didn't even see the game. Like, we... I drove out to like two locations. They let me out of the car and there was nothing around. Uh, and then I got back in and that was it. And then like a day later, a dossier gets sent to the office of like people were taking photos of Matt around town, like in the back of this car as they drove him <laughs> to random locations. Are you like, sure he wasn't like, just kidnapped? <laughs> I mean, I, this happened to me previewing the James Bond game. I got thrown in like an Aston Martin and driven around a hotel four times and switched cars and given a briefcase and like, my boss is going to want me to play this and write about it. Um, some, <laughs> at some point. I, I say that, I don't mean to be shitty about that. That shit was awesome. And he, of course he played the game eventually, but it was, it's, we have a bunch of like sleazy looking shots of Matt, like as he just let out in the car in the middle of a field looking around and he looks super shady. And I didn't like, yeah, like a telephoto lens makes everybody look like they're up to no good. <laughs> Um, but yes, all that is out and that wraps up another edition of 30 2010. Thank you guys so much for joining us for this June 1st through the 7th episode. Uh, you can find out more at lasertimepodcast.com or 302010.net. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you were up to. Let us know what we missed. Uh, like Sarah was just reminding us before, and we are kind of not doing due diligence in the book field. Uh, with a bunch of great books came out this year. I think even I wrote down, um, because I'm not trying to sound cool here, but there are lots of banging reality shows happening in 2008 that I don't give a fuck about. The Bachelorette, Last Comic Standing, Hell's Kitchen, and So You Think You Can Dance are raging in the ratings. Everybody's mm. watching those shows in 2008 during the summer. I didn't see a single second of it. Don't know. Uh, but check us out there. Check out our sister show, Laser Time. Uh, I believe this week our show was about... Uh, oh, I forgot already. No! Disney movie legends debunked. Uh, look for the giant picture of Jessica Rabbit and the penis castle from Little Mermaid and <laughs> uh, the images, lasertimepodcast.com. Also, if you like us that much, check out bonus time uh, or Patreon. Patreon.com slash lasertime is how we are supported. We do appreciate all of your support. It helps us keep the studio open. And this week, if you listen to bonus time, literally the light's on because the lights have been going off a lot lately. Lots of storms. Uh, sorry about the lateness on certain things, but not not much you can do without power. Uh, but yes, an exclusive ad-free bonus podcast every week for those who support us, in addition to hundreds of movie commentaries, video commentaries, and a bunch of other fun stuff just for people who want to toss us five bucks or so. Price of a cup of coffee, keep one of your favorite podcasts in business. I know we're not one of your favorite podcasts, but we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. Diana, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Le Cine Nerd, mm-hmm. uh, where I've been uh, mostly making fun of uh, newspapers from movies. That's mm-hmm. a big thing. And I, I should throw out some some more uh, 
classic recommendations for the summer, I feel like, now that we're hitting some good ones. And Sarah, you can find her. She's on bonus time almost every week. It's so much fun to talk to you about uh, the ins and outs of what we're doing right now. Yeah. Um, but uh, yes, but we close out, as we always do, with the births and deaths. Uh, die, who died? Die, who died? Oh. Who did? Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, 2008, was uh, we had our two deaths. Bo Diddley, uh, 79, and Yves Saint Laurent was 71, the fashion designer and musician, respectively. Bo Diddley, he has his own beat. That's kind of my like ambition in life. It's <laughs> a pretty good one. Be like, pretty great. Oh, man, it's got that Diana Goodman beat, because it goes dun, 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 <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Critiques your grammar, then goes dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> But also, I just realized I typed in Bob Diddley, and that's terrible. <laughs> I apologize. All right, Bob Diddley, insurance. <laughs> <laughs> but with the deaths, we must have a rebirth. Oh, Who is born? Who is born, Diana? Birthday quiz okay, time. Okay, birthday quiz. I love it when we hit someone who's turning 30. So someone who was born this week oh, during this show. Zach Efron. That's a fair guess. Oh, uh, damn it, I thought I was getting it. Oh, go ahead. June 7th, 1988 in Brampton, Ontario, Canada. Ooh. Ryan Gosling. I'm just going to I'm just going to start listening listing things. Uh his first movie, I think his first movie or a TV show was uh, My Best Friend is an Alien. Mm. Um Steal this movie. He he played younger versions of people like in three different movies. Steal this movie, Frequency and Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Oh, He's a frequency. young Chuck Barris? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Uh and you promise it's not Ryan Gosling. Dang. It is not Ryan Gosling. Or Drake. Oh, um, I was going to no. say Drake. I'm is out of younger Canadians. Ben Harris? Ben Foster? Ben Foster? I, no. get, I get credit for that one. Uh, he appeared on a couple episodes of <laughs> Doc, the Billy Ray Cyrus medical drama. Well, they um, don't beat all. <laughs> he was both Alexander Hamilton and Andrew Jackson on Drunk History. He was? I thought they were women. Yeah. No. And uh, he also had a short series called Clark and Michael. Plus Super Bad and Juno. Uh, uh, Michael Sarah is Michael Sarah. Happy 30th birthday, Michael Sarah! Your show's back. Yay! Go watch Arrested Development season five. It's mm. very funny so far. Uh, Yay! How about that for a plug? WagerTimePodcast.com, 302010.net. Let us know what you think. Uh, we will take you out uh, with the w- the way that I love you by Ashanti. We will be back next week. Bye, everybody. Bye.